Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of the Mayfair Theater Podcast. I'm Andrew LaPointe. This week, our own Josh Stafford has recorded an interview with Sam Kellerman, who is part of the Absent Friends Shadowcast that performs in front of our Rocky Horror Picture Show screenings every month. Sam talks about the experience of being a Rocky Horror superfan, as well as the history of the movie itself. But before we go to the interview, I'll go over the movie schedule at the Mayfair for this week, September 23rd to the 29th. We have two Ottawa premieres, starting with the drama A Tale of Love and Darkness, starring and directed by Natalie Portman. This is a true story based on the book by Amos Oz and his coming of age in the early years of the State of Israel. We're also presenting an indie thriller entitled Trans-Pecos, which is about Border Patrol agents and a criminal plot unraveling in their ranks. This film won at South by Southwest, as well as the Grand Jury Prize at both the Nashville Film Festival and the Independent Film Festival of Boston. We also have some encore screenings. The Music of Strangers featuring Yo-Yo Ma returns, as well as Hell in High Water, which in my opinion is the best film of the year so far, so don't miss that. It stars Jeff Bridges and Chris Pine and Ben Foster. And on Thursday, September 29th at 9 o'clock p.m., we have another screening of Kickboxer Vengeance, starring Alain Moussy, who will be in attendance for some photo ops. Tickets are $15. Saturday Night Cinema returns this Saturday at 11 p.m. This is our free late-night movie for members only. And the Ottawa Browncoats are presenting a charity matinee of Serenity on Sunday, September 25th at 12.30 p.m. This is in support of two local charities, iSisters Technology Mentoring and Equality Now. Tickets are $15. You can check out all the dates and showtimes for our films as well as upcoming premieres on our website, mayfairtheater.ca. And without further ado, here is Sam Kellerman, a.k.a. Dr. Frank N. Furter discussing the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Enjoy. So let's jump right into, for people, always kind of when we're talking about movies or anything on here, we pretend people don't know anything about it. Although if folks are listening to this podcast, they're probably already fans of the Mayfair. So tell us what, where did the Shadowcast come from? Not your guys specifically, but the the, the brief history of the Shadowcast. Well, um... In terms of dates, I'm not quite sure. It must have happened towards the end of the 70s uh, in New York uh, when Rocky Horror was released um, as midnight screenings, as right. it was a complete flop uh, on the normal movie circuit. Uh, so it became a participation movie, so people were yelling at the screen, throwing stuff, and to just uh, boost, I guess, the um, participation aspect of the movie, people decided to go up dressed as the characters, and mime a few scenes out, uh, this caught on and became sort of a standard Rocky Horror tradition, if you will. Uh, I'm pretty sure the, the idea of a shadow cast does come directly from the Rocky Horror show. I know afterwards it's been uh, tried on The Wizard of Oz and a few other... I think Pink Flamingos also had one for a okay. while. And it just unfortunately didn't stick right but i think also um the participation aspect of the rocky horror show is something that doesn't really translate in other movies like there are other participation movies such as the room but it's not as uh, an intricate participation aspect uh yeah so yeah that yeah i always imagine especially it, it seems like a million years ago even though it was like 40 years ago but i watched a documentary recently where they were talking about 
on a Saturday night, you could stay home, but TV ended at a certain point. And so you could go to a movie or you go to a show. So there's a lot more people going out, especially like stand-up comedy back in that era. Comedians were filling stadiums. So when movies like, very different movies, but say like the Rocky Horror or Texas Chainsaw or John Waters stuff was hitting the, the midnight movie crowd, I always just imagined like, how alien Rocky Horror must have been. I always tease, but it would never work, of having a non-participation screening of Rocky Horror <laughs> just to pretend what it would be like to watch to it in watch 1975. It. Absolutely. Because it's it must have just been people going, and then all of a sudden, some guy jumps up and starts singing, and then like somebody was the first person to throw a fill-in-the-blank, and somebody was the first person to yell fill-in-the-blank. Absolutely. And it's it's become this... this huge ritual yeah absolutely and um may the gods of rocky horror forgive me i forget his name but we do know of a certain the first okay, callback yeah. uh he was a or is a doctor now in new york and he uh found the movie so boring and so right. ridiculous and such a terrible movie that he felt it necessary to talk back to charles gray who plays the uh boring old oh, criminologist yeah, yeah. so the narrator of the movie and people loved it and so next week because it showed on a weekly basis every friday and saturday people just kept on adding and adding and adding and all of a sudden it's this huge huge thing um but coming back to just watching rocky horror yeah. without any participation it's a very strange movie yeah They're, like its storyline doesn't really make any sense um uh, but it's just a lot of fun and it's well, i remember when music. when i was a kid during the kind of the vhs boom yeah it came out on vhs absolutely and even as a kid i was just like well that's not gonna work because if you're uh three people sitting at home watching this movie this, is not going to be the same. You can kind of sing along. You can kind of throw things in your house, maybe. But I, but from what I understand, it worked. It worked like, very well, actually. It um, A lot of people were, like a lot of the diehard Rocky Horror fans, were very much against uh, yeah. the release of the VHS. Um, it was also, you know, it was very expensive at the time. I think it was like 99 oh, bucks yeah, for the yeah. VHS of the Rocky Horror Show. But it really augmented the participation of it. Uh, it augmented the callbacks yelled at the screen. People were able to sit down and come up with these things and watch the movie on repeat. And um, also, I'm sure it must have definitely helped with the shadow casts in getting uh, the the blocking down right for every yeah. scene, for every costume, for every prop. So um, the release of the, the VHS was definitely quite helpful in the history of Rocky. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because we do, at the Mayfair, we have a handful of different midnight movies. Pretty much now it's Rocky Horror and The Room. Mm -hmm. And we'll try a new one every once in a while. And it's interesting that it's it's hard to make a cult film. Like, you you can't... No. Like, like, Sharknado, we screened Sharknado at the perfect time. Like, it was in the news and it was... A, so we played one very fun night. It was one of my favorite Mayfair nights ever. And it was a packed house and everybody had a good sense of humor and the movie got a standing ovation at the end. And then like six months later we screened Sharknado 2 and that was it. You know, like no it, we, it did okay but it's it's not going to I'm become saying. a new thing. Cult, no. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing with cult movies. Uh, 
their directors, their producers can't decide this is going to become a cult movie. What makes a cult movie a cult movie is the audience that uh, decides for some odd reason, other than production value or good acting, that this movie really means something to them. And so they decide to create a following out of it. It's a more of a societal um, act more so than it is yeah. production-wise, right? So you can't really make a cult movie. No. It becomes a cult movie. For instance, Rocky Horror flopped completely when it was first uh, released in 1975. And it wasn't until... It, it went completely dormant. Fox kept it locked up until I, April 1st, 1976, when it started uh, playing the Midnight Circuit at a few... Um, university campuses and art houses and slowly it built up but it's definitely not something that came out with yeah a following and it's 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 i've seen a handful of the actors but especially susan sarandon because she's probably out of everybody's arguably had the best career absolutely and every time i see her on like colbert or something like often it'll come up and she still talks about how you know, you never know. Like, they weren't on the set going, oh, this is going to be one of the most famous movies of all time. Of course. They just thought they were making this weird musical. Absolutely. And even when it came out, like you said, they, they're they like, oh, well, that didn't work. No, actually, um, Barry Boswick, who plays Brad, yeah. um, had was a huge musical guy. He originated the role of Danny Zuko on Broadway uh, from Greece. And... I remember seeing an interview with him in which he was saying that he was just doing this as an extra gig. He needed the money at the time. Um, And for a few, quite a few years, he had not heard anything about it when all of a sudden he was walking down the street and there was a huge crowd of people waiting in line to see the Rocky Horror Show and he couldn't believe that it was the same movie. He had completely even forgotten making the movie and really no one had really spoken of it until then. It was huge. But um, for all these actors that were involved with it, like Meatloaf, Tim Curry, Susan Sarandon, um, it's something that will follow them for the rest of yeah. their lives and the rest of... Uh, it's what it's going, what these people are going to be most associated with. Yeah. Absolutely. For better or for worse, Tim Curry, when he shows up in, whether it be a, a, a dramatic role, a comedic mm-hmm. role, some like a family film, like, uh, what was he in, like Home Alone, Alone 2? Yeah. Yeah. People will look at that and go, Rocky Horror. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, I know it's something that he wasn't too thrilled about for quite some time, being a little typecast as Frankenfurter, yeah. but, um, I mean, it, it's his claim to fame. It's what It was his first uh, big movie, as it was for Susan Sarandon, and it, it really um, made their careers blast off. Yeah. They were absolutely... Are you guys in touch with other shadow cast? Is there, is there like a... Um, a message a board bit. or fan club kind of thing? No, no. Inf- I'm sure there are. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of just stick to ourselves yeah. and the Mayfair. Um, that being said, one of our cast members, or our original cast member, um, Chris Jennings, who originally played the criminologist, uh, played with us for maybe one or two years and moved out to Toronto and joined the Toronto cast okay. and has been d- playing with them uh Ever since he just moved back to Ottawa and is back on stage at the Mayfair, but uh, so that's as much <laughs> uh, yeah interaction we have with other shadow casts. Uh, in terms of shadow casts in uh, Canada, I don't think there are too many. No, there 
is us uh, in Ottawa. We there is one in I believe Vancouver, Edmonton. Okay, yeah. Calgary. And they're down in the States. And Toronto. And in the States is, yes. In the United States, it's, I believe, much more of a popular thing. They have a few more shadow casts that play even on a weekly basis. Oh, wow. Um, I know the one in New York, in the um, Fifth Street Playhouse, which is where uh, the whole midnight uh, participation started, is still running strong. I believe there are the most attended Rocky Horror shadow cast in the world. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I know in Montreal, although they don't have a monthly or weekly screening of it, they have uh, one big weekend of Rocky Horror around Halloween. And surprisingly, it's the most attended Rocky Horror event um, oh, yeah. in North America, which is very surprising and really good because uh, in Quebec, Rocky Horror really didn't have too much success even on a right. cult level I mean maybe there was a few art houses in Montreal that showed it but that's the extent of that and I find it very funny that nowadays yeah it's a huge thing over there which is great well, I guess so what instigated this little interview is is I thought it'd be fun because every Halloween for however many years now Rocky Horror plays at Halloween at the Mayfair absolutely and not only does it play but it plays for six times this year we're doing it seven six, times seven times oh seven my god, times. So my god. <laughs> and so we're doing it this year you know whenever halloween falls on a friday or saturday that's kind of perfect this year we're doing shows on friday saturday monday yep so you guys get one day off in between we, yes. but it's, it's ridiculous you guys have like a for this you're doing like a you know broadway-esque run marathon <laughs> absolutely yeah. and um it's funny because when halloween does fall on a friday or a saturday of course it's a sold out thing but even when Halloween is a Monday yeah. or we've done shows on Tuesdays and Wednesdays before as well and so long as it's Halloween it sells yeah. completely out which is very funny and I'm yeah. sure this this year won't be an exception um, it's a Halloween staple it's yeah. a, a wonderful wonderful little movie well people always Halloween probably Halloween and Christmas people love because we would love to show way more retro movies, but the harsh reality is sometimes they're hard to get people to come to into. Come and see, yeah. Every once in a while, sadly, because of something happening like Prince dying, mm. we'll show Purple Rain, it'll do great. Or mm. like Leonard Nimoy dies and we'll show Star Trek and it does great. But often just like if we show an average classic Retro movie, flight. like a, an Abbott and Costello or something, mm -hmm. nothing. Or uh, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll get so angry at the internet because we'll, we'll be about to show something, just something fun like Goonies. And the buzz is extraordinary, and there's like 200 people giving it thumbs up on Facebook, and everyone said they're coming, and like 12 people come, and I'm like, oh, that's where terrible. are you? Gosh, darn it! And then we're like, like it's your, if you're mad for us just showing Meryl Streep movies and Woody <laughs> Allen movies, this is why because those guys come out to support. You know, of course, if Meryl Streep did a movie a month, we could show it, and it would do well. Like she yeah. had, she, has, she that has that draw. Yeah, but so with Halloween, the, so. For this year, for 2016, we have um, the new Phantasm film. Cool. For Kids Club, we have Monster House, which is a really cool kids scary movie. We're showing the original Phantasm. We're showing Rob Zombie's new movie, 31. Of course, absolutely. But people say, it's so funny, every year, what are you showing on Halloween? Or like, oh, we're showing Rocky Horror. Like, 
Like, even if we didn't want to, our hands are tied because we sell out six or seven shows. <laughs> One shot. Absolutely. All the time. So it's not even a question. Like it's No. And I think it's also uh, heavily attached to the nostalgia of yeah. the season. So Christmas and, of course, Halloween, I mean... It, we all have fond memories as kids, as teenagers, as yeah. grown-ups, just having a blast at it. And I think Rocky Horror um, has scarred a few generations yeah. on its own, and it's always a great time, and it's um, it has it has quite an appeal, and I think it resonates a lot. Its themes resonate a lot in today's society, and society in general. There is such human... Um, Emotions and yeah. situations, and it's it, a coming-of-age story. It's almost a, a, pa- a rite of passage Rocky Horror as well for a lot of people in high school and college to go out and... Well, especially that it's, it's, it's rated, like, it's 14. Yes. So a bunch of 15-year-olds can just... 14... Can just come and watch it by themselves without parents. Absolutely, or they can. Whereas, say, The Shining mm-hmm. is rated R. They can't get into that. Uh, and it always breaks my heart a little bit. Once I was in the box office and there were some kids who, they were like 13 if they were anything. And they had like the Simpsons voice cracking and the whole bit. <laughs> and I was just like, I, I was like, I, guys, I, I can't let you in. I, I, I wish I could. And they were the nicest kids because they didn't even get mad at me. And, and I was just like, and then another one came up and was like, would you have let me in? And I was just shaking my head. No. Like, no. <laughs> and I told him, I said, even if you guys have the best parents in the world and they don't care if you see this movie... On the off chance that one of your parents gets mad at us, we could get in trouble, you could get in trouble. But with Rocky Horror, it's not restricted. No. So, and it's 40 plus years old. So what I think is interesting, just as cult rolls along, whether it be Star Wars or Rocky Horror, these 40-year-old franchises, you could have a senior citizen coming to Rocky Horror along with a 14-year-old Absolutely. On the same night. And it happens quite often where we'll have some Rocky Horror veterans that have been seeing it since the 70s who know absolutely everything about it. And um, alongside with kids that have heard about it from Glee or something of the sort. Um, And it's really fun to be able to see that huge uh, generational span that Rocky Horror has uh, on its audience. And once again, I think it comes right back down to these... Um, my god you'll have to forgive me yeah. my um, it's themes are right. just timeless I, it's it's fun it's light it's um, coming of age coming into sexuality rock and roll music well, that's the thing despite it like it's hard to say because I I have never just watched it mm. on VHS or DVD <laughs> but the any flaws in the film there's not really flaws in the the acting. There's nothing wrong there. No, the acting is superb. But the music is amazing. The music is outrageously good. And that's an interesting thing of how I've never seen it live live. Mm. Like just like the show. The, the show. Rocky Horror Musical, yeah. And but there's stories of my favorite story is because I'm a big fan of uh the comedian Craig Ferguson. Mm-hmm. So in his youth, Craig Ferguson and Anthony Head, Anthony Stewart Head from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Absolutely. Were both in Rocky Horror. They absolutely were. I don't know if that was in Scotland or, or England. It or was in, in London. England, yeah. I believe, yes. And so they were like kids in this, in this show. In this show, absolutely. And, I remember, and, and Ferguson has told stories of how 
Like when it started, it was people just coming to a show. Like you'd go mm-hmm. to see Cats. Absolutely. And then its cult started growing. And even in, in the live productions, live productions, you would have people starting to come in in, in costume. Absolutely. Very quickly. Because that must have been like early it, 70s, right? It was. So the original musical hit uh, the Royal Court Theater upstairs in 1973 mm-hmm. with uh, Tim Curry in the lead, Richard O'Brien, who wrote the right, show yeah. wrote the music and stars in the movie as well as Riff Raff, uh, played Riff Raff in the original uh, 1973 production, along with Little Nell and Patricia Quinn. So they reprised the roles in the movie. But um, originally it was supposed to last, I think, a week. Right. A week run. Uh, and they were selling out like crazy. And it didn't leave the theater in London until probably the 90s. So it played consecutively. Yeah. Um, And people at that time, or I'm sure uh, before the movie came out and before all uh, this participation uh, started happening with the the play in the movie, um, people would religiously go see the musical. I know Elvis would show up quite often in uh, Los Angeles when it first started and would leave a bottle of champagne on the stage for every actor at the end of the show. Um, Russell Crowe uh, started his career off by playing Eddie in the Australian oh, cast, which yeah. is pretty cool. Um, but the musical itself is is a lot of fun as well. Um, yeah. Today, though, funny enough, uh, made be on screen or on stage, the audience is the same. So if you go to see the, the actual musical, people are still yelling the same yeah. lines and throwing the same stuff. And it's really funny because a lot of the actors... Um, do sometimes stumble through their lines and music due to yeah. all these callbacks. It's very funny, yes. <laughs> and what's the... There's an Ottawa connection as well with... There is. Like, the premiere, the world premiere? The uh, or, North no. American premiere. That's crazy. The North American premiere happened in Ottawa in August of 1975, mm-hmm. I believe, at the National Arts Centre for um, a movie festival that Fox was hosting. Yeah. And at the very last minute, they wanted to premiere they wanted to premiere a movie and the only thing available at the time was the rocky horror picture show and so uh, a gentleman by the name of frank taylor uh, screened it and for for this audience that apparently absolutely adored it and so um we've received frank taylor uh at the the mayfair before for him to talk about about his this uh, North American premiere, which is not really ever spoken of, um, but he, according to him, as soon as the the lips uh, appear on the screen, he knew that this was going to be yeah a huge success, and everybody enjoyed it in the room that night. Um, then it was officially l- uh, launched in New York in September of nineteen seventy five to. A critical failure, right. with the exception of in California, uh, which it did pretty well. Um, but Ottawa is for sure the um, home yeah. of Rocky Horror in North America, which is it's amazing. a very little-known fact, absolutely. Yeah. And you can't even... I've tried to look for stuff online about this. It's impossible. Like like a, 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 a program or, mm-hmm. or a newspaper ad. There is one newspaper ad, yeah. which I believe we found, the Mayfair... Yeah. yeah. You guys uh, found it, and I think you guys posted it on your website. I think, I think uh, so, we yeah. have it on our um, Facebook group as well. 
But yeah, so that's that's as much information in print about right. this that I have been able to find so far. Um, but as I said, uh, this Mr. Yeah. Taylor is still kicking and has been telling the story ever since. Yeah, and it, yeah. it's any any phenomenon. You you just think of like the alternate universe where a film critic didn't review it or somebody didn't see it. And Rocky Horror could have very easily right now just been lost. Oh, very easily. Like, there's all very kinds easily. of movies that are, like, especially kind of the driving classic kind of movies, mm-hmm. what we consider, like, B-movies, monster movies, uh, uh, women in prison movies, all these kind of things. They're gone. Like, they they're, they're, they're not even on, like, VHS or DVD. Nope. And so a movie like Rocky Horror could have easily... Very easily just disappeared. Yeah. But once again, I think it just showed up at the right time, at yeah. the right spot. I mean, uh, in the 70s with all of this uh, sexual liberation and drugs and rock and roll yeah. and just glam rock and questioning uh, the status quo from the 50s and part of the 60s. And all of a sudden it's blasted in Technicolor on the silver screen and there's Tim Curry in a pair of fishnets yeah. with like deep plum lipstick and it worked people really related to it do you know when it came out was there you know that kind of cliche of like parents angry at kiss thinking it was like devil worship absolutely did parents go after rocky horror um or was it too off the radar you know what i'm pretty sure a lot of yeah a lot of parents had issues with the rocky horror show um and i can't say i've come across any printed right yeah, uh yeah. Uh, evidence of this, but I have seen a little documentary in which um, a news reporter of the time was uh, stating that it's just a bunch of kids going to see a movie. There's no reason to get upset over it. Okay, and like yeah. instead of having these kids out in bars or in the streets causing trouble, they're all together yeah. watching this movie, having a few laughs and enjoying themselves. So I think fundamentally, I mean, Rocky Horror has this reputation of being a uh, very sexy and off-the-wall yeah. movie, but it's done in such a cartoonish and innocent way that it's it's a wholesome little movie with, uh, it's strange to say that, but yeah. it, it really is. It's um, nothing's, the sex in it's always uh, hinted to, it's never full-on on screen, it's, uh, it's interesting, it's... It's a fun little... Yeah, and anything else... If you think of other franchises that are 40 years old, and it's so funny because in their own way, like, Star Wars came out right around the same time mm-hmm. and could have been a very similar story. Like, if, 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 you know, before the age of the internet, if all the nerds didn't show up to watch that movie, it could have been just a B-movie that came out and went away. Absolutely. And so at that time of, of people going out to your Rocky Horrors and your Star Wars and The Exorcist mm-hmm. and, and all these movies. And, and like, it's just, it's not all the fault of TV, but it's just, there was nothing, there was nothing else to do. There's nothing else <laughs> happening. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. not. And um, I'm sure this is why all these double and triple bills at the time were so popular oh, yeah. as well. And um, it's also a very, any of these big movies that have um, a following like this, it's a huge communal thing there's a huge community that builds itself out yes. of these so for star wars just as rocky horror just as any other um big movie 
so it's there's the movie itself, but there's also the like-minded people in the audience uh, who are there every month, who are there at every screening, and it's it's a lot of fun. It's more than just a movie in the end. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's people I, fundamentally. I, I really love whether it be we we live in a world where the geeks have won. Yes, <laughs> whether, thank God. There, there's still all kinds of problems in the world mm-hmm. that are really horrible. Just before we, we rolled on this, we were chatting just randomly about how there's a, a gay character in Archie Comics and there's there's much more multicultured superheroes. And we live in a world where where people are wearing Star Wars shirts to school where maybe once upon a time that might get you hit by a bully. Oh, absolutely. And frowned down upon, absolutely. And I just love that, that, that mentality of, yeah, uh, all of us... All of us misfit toys are getting together and going to see Rocky Horror, and we're going to have fun, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do it repeatedly, and Absolutely. it's it's the same as anything, whether it be people going to see Elvis concerts over and over again back of in the course. day. And, but yeah, it, it's, it's, I always have this sense of like, like, oh, we won. <laughs> like We, we absolutely like, did. Yeah. And, you know, I think also, um, as people go along, we, we realize that there are a lot of us little misfits yeah. out there and um, probably more of us nerds than there are bullies out there. So yeah. might as well just like yeah. go right for it. Yeah. And, and it's, I always, I always remember being that little kid in like the, 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 the pre nerds winning world. And if you would have told me that like really mainstream stuff that like, Oh, there's going to be an Avengers movie and there's going to be, this on television and you're going to have your comic books and all these cult movies you love are going to be on the big screen. And like, it's, it's nuts. Like, it absolutely is. is, but thank God for, Oh yeah. For these crazy things happening. And why not? They're great stories, oh, yeah. right? They're great comic books. They're great. Everything. I mean, life is too short not to be able to, uh, full on enjoy and yeah. watch what one needs to and wants to. So are you, I saw you, man, when was it? A few months ago in Cabaret yes, here in town. Absolutely. Do you have anything else you're working on you're going to? Um, presently, I'm all about Rocky Horror yeah, this yeah, month. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. Um, I've been delving into the world of vaudeville and burlesque around right, yeah. town as well. Uh, Ottawa has a great burlesque community yeah. and a great vaudevillian revival thing going on. So um a little in the same line as Cabaret. Yeah. Uh, following that for the time being. Yeah, anytime... I get very defensive about Ottawa. I'm a hometown boy. Absolutely. And and it's funny because I've listened to podcasts of people talking about Chicago or L.A. in the same manner, where there's always somebody who's like, oh, there's nothing to do here. And even in other towns, ta- like in towns like, you know, Boston, oh, there's nothing to do here. And I'm like, if you can't find something to do in Ottawa, you're just not trying. Absolutely. Because whether it be on any given night, there's a burlesque show or a show at House of Targ or a cool movie at the Mayfair or roller derby or for the more kind of mainstream stuff, like a a world-class art gallery or a world-class orchestra. And I always think that like that, that anybody, yeah, anybody who says there's nothing to do here, you're not trying. They're not, (laughs) they're not trying at all. Ottawa is a thriving artistic city. Uh, and even more so, it's it's really building up in terms of uh, an artistic community, in terms of things to do and entertainment and different clubs and groups. It's thriving, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it may not be as in your face as, let's say, Montreal, Toronto, right. or New York, but if you scratch a bit at its surface, you'll find tons of stuff. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And 
really bizarre things at times too yeah. but it, it works and it's a lot of fun Ottawa's got a great um, great vibe to it great people um, a lot of really cool nerds we dig it yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely uh, yeah so that's about our time for this week um, check out mayfairtheater.ca you'll find all the listings for Rocky Horror Picture Show amongst all our other screenings uh, we'll have if you're listening to this right away uh, in um Late September, we should have tickets on sale soon from our box office uh, because, yeah, it, and we have people come in and they'll buy like 20 tickets at a time. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, it sells out quite fast. Yeah, so, so make sure to keep an eye out for that because um, so, you don't want to miss the best party in Ottawa Absolutely for Halloween. <laughs> uh, and you, like we said, there's a few different options. If, if, you, if you don't want to stay up really late, there's some earlier shows. If you're busy on Halloween night itself, there's some shows before Halloween. But uh, yeah, that that probably that Halloween night show is probably the one that that's the golden it's ticket. It's absolutely the hottest <laughs> ticket in town. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, thank you, Sam. Thank you, Josh. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Thrills and chills, gorgeous gals, Transylvanian parties, lots of laughs and sex, romance. I'm just a transvestite. Action-packed, 18 great songs. Soundtrack available on Ode Records, the Rocky Horror Picture Show Certificate Double A. Now exclusively at the Rialto Coventry Street.